welcome back to Oh No No No, the Wraith Rovers podcast, as we look forward to Friday night's Scottish Cup derby at East End Park. Uh, I am Duncan Cameron, and there's no selection headaches here, because tonight I am joined by, uh, first of all, Scott Fleming. How are you, Scott? Yeah, really good, Duncan. Cheers. Excellent. Uh, Christina Beatty's here. How are you, Christina? Good, thank you. Uh, after a, a flying visit to the kingdom, uh, we've got Carol Allison Smith again. How are you, Carol? Hola, I'm good. Good, definitely a flying visit, but good to be back to reality. Fantastic. Um, as always, Robbie Weir is here. How are you, Robbie? Yeah, I'm very good. Very busy week, but I'm glad to be back. Excellent. And uh, tonight we've a very special guest. We've got the Courier's esteemed Fife football correspondent. We've got Craig Cairns. How are you, Craig? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, so, obviously, um, big games. It's tomorrow night as we record. Um, so, Rovers go back to East End Park again with a, a relatively getting towards unblemished record, if you don't count penalty shootouts, um, against Dunfermline this season. And, Scott, I'm going to come to you first of all, just to give us your thoughts on this game and the fact that it's uh, yet another Fife derby uh, already and it's only uh, only November. Aye, I mean, uh, we. I think Ian Murray kind of summed it up uh, in terms of both teams probably would have preferred not to play each other, especially in the first round that we've entered the competition. It's, uh, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit annoying and it's actually taken away for the occasion slightly to play them now what's going to be six times this season because I'm... I'm certain we can't play them any more times now, <laughs> unless there's another competition they throw at us. But uh... they could get in the playoffs. Oh fuck! <laughs> I think you just are destined to both finish in the top four. Uh, so yeah, very very strong possibility. Oh, I hope I hope it's not. Eight. <laughs> it's uh, nah, It's already enough. I think four times a season, and then obviously it was chucked in at the start. We've got them at home. And then, yeah, they've evened it up with the Scottish Cup tie with three at home, three away. But no, I mean, I'm going into it still pretty positive, to be honest. It's, uh, I don't see why we can't be positive. We've lost two games all season. And yeah, we're in great form. Yes, it's a cup game. Again, derby game, form kind of goes out the window. They'll be gunning for us, to say the least, after what's been going on in the first two league games and with how late we won it at uh, Starks at the, what was it now, three, four weeks ago. So, um, no, they'll be they'll be well up for it. It'll be fun to see what sort of notes are up there training ground again this time. But, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it overall. And, um, Carol, for you, was it sort of towards the bottom of the teams you would have liked to have seen come out of the hat? Or, um, or are you kind of looking forward to this one? It would have been nice to sort of see a lower team to not guaranteed, but maybe another round. But playing some friendly, I'm just I don't know. I feel we could trip up. We've been very cocky the last few few weeks with it, and it could come back to bite us. I'm just oh, there were some jokes made on Monday night. I was like, did you see that? You're jinxing it. You're jinxing it. <laughs> a lot of tempting fate going on. Yeah, um, yeah, and um. Craig, I, I imagine you've you've heard a lot this week. You've you've had a a bit of a feel for the the mood in both camps. How is it, um? How do you feel? Both sides are kind of um, 
approaching this one, I suppose? Is it business as usual or, or treating it a little bit differently with it being the cup? Yeah, I, I, I think it's always going to have that sort of difference to it with it with it being a cup game. That's similar to what uh, Jamie Gillum was saying yesterday, that it, it, the difference this time is that it is that sort of one-off cup match. The last cup game was obviously a, a group stage match. So uh, not quite knockout as it is here, but I, and then I asked Ian Murray how it kind of affects the preparations, this kind of familiarity. He says that it's a bit of a stock answer really, but that the games that have come previous don't really count much towards it. Um, I, I, th I still think it's quite an intriguing one. It, is, it does get a bit tiring like, as a reporter as well. It comes around four times already in the season. It, it, it is quite difficult to kind of, big it up as much as you have the the ones before but i think it's still quite uh an intriguing one um i think uh what carol said there i actually thought that it's a really difficult one to predict i thought that that was going to happen the last time and it almost did it almost did i thought dunfermline were within a whisker of uh getting a winner in that game um so yeah i don't know i find it a really difficult one to predict but i still think it's very intriguing given the way both teams are playing i mean wraith have got to fancy themselves given the way like Scott said, they've they've lost two games all season, uh, and Dunfermline are they're just not quite there. the The performances have been there. Um, they had they they are a really good team. They just they just aren't like I say they aren't, aren't quite where uh, Wraith are at the moment. But I think it's quite acceptable to say that they're probably like a at least a season behind Wraith, and they're sort of uh, where where they want to be. They they look to me like a team that's that's missing a couple of puzzle pieces. Um, in the same way that I think the Rovers were last season, and you look at that, I think if you could if you could transplant a number of different kind of number nines from other teams in the division, I think they would they would be getting on a lot better because it means certainly for for large parts of both league games, I don't think it's unfair to say that they they were they were playing better than the Rovers were for parts of it. But it's that lack of the the kind of clinical edge that can really come back and bite you. As I say, I think we saw that for for large parts of the Rovers last season. And um, moving into the the kind of lineups and um, the <laughs> the Rovers lineup in particular, I think we've we've got or Ian Murray certainly has kind of two separate, distinct selection headaches going on. One that he might be quite happy about, and, and one that he certainly won't be. Because he's got more or less his whole kind of front unit back together again. Just about everybody's back available for selection, which is is nice to see. But then in his back line, we've got some real kind of trouble around that with um, Ewan Murray's obviously suspended. Sean Burns uh, unavailable, which then, you know, you start having issues around about that defensive midfield as well. Um Christina, I know you had the uh, the sketch pad out earlier to try and pull together a starting eleven for this one. So why don't you kick us off? Talk us through how you think. First of all, starts with the defence, and then uh, right. moving forward. I'll give you a starter for ten. I have no idea how Ian Money does this every week, by the way, because I've changed this about five or six times. So I went with O'Reilly because I'm figuring that he's going to get a start because he's a new signing. So I've gone with him. And then the rest I've scored out numerous times. So I've gone O'Reilly, Dick, Cor, and Millen at the back. But I think in being four at the back, I think Don Kremlin are going to come out wanting to score an early goal. So I'm thinking he's going to want his back line quite tight. 
And then I've moved Brown more central with Stanton and Connolly. And then I've got Gullen with a question mark. So I think he should be starting, but I don't know if you're too young. Then I've got Vaughan and Hamilton at the front. I tell you, you're very, very similar to mine. Very similar. Um, me too. We've got identical back four. Yeah, yeah me too. Same back four here. Um, so I tell you, while we're on that back four then, Robbie, why don't you give us a bit about Dan O'Reilly then? Because I know you were speaking to to Ben from the Aki's podcast that we need to give a bit of credit to because he was very quick with a, a scout report for us. So why don't you give us your thoughts on on Dan O'Reilly and what you think he might bring? Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting to chat with Ben. Um, really good guy um, who runs the Only Aki's podcast who have seen a lot more of Dan O'Reilly than we have. Um, he said that he's very good in the air. Um, looks like a, a sort of high-level championship player. Said that he doesn't think that he'll probably be a premiership player, but that could maybe change in the future. At 28, he's, he's, I think it was quite strange because when I was saying to, to Blair at the uh, Hall of Fame night, um, it's strange the way it was framed by the club because we said he's an ex-Fulham youth and you think, oh, this lad must be like 23, 24, but then you actually look at it and he's 28 and he's been to a host of clubs. Um but yeah, just said that he's a seemed a, a very sort of dependable defender. It did seem a bit strange looking at it that he'd not signed for a club immediately in the summer after leaving Akis. Um it was almost the expectation that he would go to a club either down south or at our level. Um and then nothing's really came to fruition. I think that by signing this one month contract, it's probably works out well for both parties because we can get an assessment on how well Keith Watson's doing and if O'Reilly does proved to be a really sort of good signing, then we've got the opportunity there. And then keep in mind that the Irish League um, plays through the summer rather than the winter. So if he wanted to go over to Ireland and play there again, then he's got that opportunity because they'll be coming out of their, their sort of winter break by the time um, that we're, we're moving into that period. So yeah, um, interested to see how O'Reilly handles things. Um, and I think that it'll be nice to have two centre-halves on the park for a change if we do play him in core because I cannot remember the last game. I think it must have been Airdrie. Um, Airdrie away that we had two bona fide centre-halves on the pitch, um, probably. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd be right, yeah. And that, I mean, Dan O'Reilly does sound like quite a good, um, stylistically, quite a good replacement for you and Murray. They sound like quite similar kind of profile of defender. He talked himself about... Um, you know, being keen to defend first and foremost. Uh, Craig, you very kindly pulled the the Y Scout stats, and we was up there with all those the things you would expect with the the blocks and the aerial duels and all that kind of side of things. So, um, and and then Robbie, as you say, the fact that he's twenty eight, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that as well. I just assumed he would be a younger guy. So, um, it does sound like a, a very good option for for given how thin that market is. Um, you know, in the middle of November, feels like a very, very good pickup. Um, and then, so yeah, Dylan Core becomes probably the the bigger question mark there in terms of um, just availability and and fitness. Um, I, mean, I think with Dylan, he's had another week under his belt in terms of trade. Well, he's had a, a week under his belt now in terms of training. On top of that, Aki's game, so that's that can only be seen as a positive. So long as not had any issues with it, then again. Young lads, so you would hope that that stands in his uh, favour. Anybody else have? Did anybody have Alan to start? I had him. Yeah. Uh, Who did you put him about? 
centre back. I mean, I wouldn't have him anywhere else. I'd say. Christina, did you say Gullen? Did you say Dylan? Gullen. I had a question mark for him. I just didn't know who to place him. Like just centre back, if you want. He's still going to drift to that left wing. It was because I was thinking would I do a back four and then a middle four? It was really so, my question. So I had him as a question mark. I I think uh, I think O'Reilly's going to start. I think because of the opposition and it being a five derby, I don't think he would rush Cor into that alongside another player that he's just signed. So I think Brown will probably start. In defence again, Millen and Dick, and then I think uh, Stanton will be the sole holder. I think Hamilton will start. I think Easton's probably start uh, played his way back into the starting lineup, and then it, I think it's take your pick. He's going to have to really disappoint a few informed players, but he's had to do that quite a few times already this season. And if they keep playing like this uh, and keep getting results, then it's, it's going to be a problem he has all season. Uh, so up, um, up the front end of the pitch, I put uh, Hamilton up top and then sort of three behind uh, Easton out on the wing, which Murray's tended to do over the last few games. Uh, Lewis Warris at number 10 and then Connolly on the other side. I think with Connolly, um, Smith and Josh Mullen, it's, it's hard to say much of a muchness because they're all three completely different types of players. But at the same time, um, I just feel that with Connolly just got the the I know that him and Bond have both got the experience there and Smith's got the the sort of stats to back him this season. He's done so well. But really I think that you'll be looking at keeping those players for changing it later on if we do need to. So yeah. I wonder if Connolly will be an easy decision for him because he's just come back from a long-term injury. He's played quite a lot of football and it could be an easy one to say, look, I'm going to rest you for this one. You'll yeah, come on at some point and then you'll be back in the starting lineup. But at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if Connolly was one of the ones to drop out. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's it's funny looking at that, the fact that Sean Burns not there. As you said, Craig, it, it suddenly you end up with this thing where... Whether Scott Brown plays in defence or not totally changes the rest of the team. Because really, if you don't have him, you almost... if Sorry, if Scott Brown plays in defence, you almost by default have to go to just Sam Stanton holding because there's really not anyone else to put next to him. And I think that's where probably Jamie Gullen would come back in for me. Is Oddly, yeah, if you're not playing Dylan Carr, suddenly the next one in is Jamie Gullen, but in an entirely <laughs> different area of the park. Um but that, so that's definitely it's going to be interesting to see um, exactly how that comes in. You obviously got Adam Masson in the mix as well. Um, you know, he got the nod to start at Hamilton, but took a bit of a knock as well. So, um, yes, definitely very, um, very interesting to see. But again, very good options coming off the bench, whatever happens um, going in that second half, which, as we've said numerous times, has prone to be the difference um, with this Rovers side across particularly the league games where every single one has been decided by a single goal either way and those last 15 minutes have been so crucial you know time and time again and I, I really would not be surprised um to see that happen again so if that's you know with a couple of different variations kind of how we reckon the the rovers will be lining up in terms of the Dunfermline side Craig are you expecting any kind of surprises from from James McPeak I know he, I think he's not expecting anyone back into his defence, which has been fairly um, fairly changeable with the injuries that they've had so far this season. 
Yeah, I think that's part of the reason that the, the sort of poor run of form they're on is the sort of injuries catching up with them. I know that Rovers have had their injuries as well. I know every team has their injuries, but at one point they had their entire back three and their goalkeeper out. Uh, they started that that just a few games into the season, and that was after um, three players getting long-term ankle, three key players getting long-term ankle injuries, pretty much on the eve of the of the league season. So uh, the injuries have been a particularly tough one on them. They, they had a pretty clean run last season, so I, I, it's just one of those things that sometimes you get a spate of them or whatever. And the defence is still the place, I suppose, that's getting uh, most impacted by that because Chris Hamilton's dropped back into where Benedictus usually plays. And to be fair, he's been he's been really good. He's been one of Dunfermline's best players over the, the last few weeks. Despite his height, he's, uh, he's very, very good at centre-half and he's the type of player you want in your, your team in a derby. I think um, it will be the same as last week. Um, the only change that you might see is across the front three. Um, going off the top of my head now, but I think O'Halloran started last week. I think he will probably drop out. Um, and then, I don't know, you might you might find White and come in and then McCann goes out to the left or something like that. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Or he might go with a front two, given the potentially na makeshift nature of uh, Rovers' central defence. But yeah, he'll definitely be coming up with some, he'll tweak his attack to try and cause Wraith some problems, I think, and try and take advantage of any potential vulnerabilities there. I think it's um, interesting seeing them because this is definitely feels like it's the strongest that they've been coming into a derby this season um, in the sense that they've now got a few of the players that were missing in the attacking fold. Uh, Kane Ritchie Hosler, I think Matty Todd's back as well. Um, and yeah, just... They've added Jakubiak and Summers. Jakubiak didn't have the most impacting game last time around at Starks. Still, I think as the game went on, Scott Brown got more used to him and handled him really well towards the, the latter stages of the game until he came off. But yeah, just um, feels like every time they're getting stronger. And this time we've just got a, a complete like against the odds. It feels like the odds keep going against us in terms of it, but we've still managed to pull out the results so far in terms of the derby. So it'll be quite interesting to see how it they're, pans out. Sorry, just to add to that, it was something I meant to say earlier, they're quite a young team as well. They're the second youngest team in the league in terms of minutes played this season. So um, I think part of it might be down to that. And then when you take out the most experienced player, uh, uh, Benedict has the captain, then that's obviously going to have an impact. So some of that just might be down to the naivety of being younger players and not being able to see out matches, or get over the line or whatever. I think it's it's very likely to be a tale of two central defences, almost. And it's really who manages to actually um, kind of keep it together on the night. Because I think... Um, as you say, Craig, uh, Chris Hamilton, it's Chris Hamilton, isn't it? That's, mm -hmm. yeah, we had a yeah. whole thing with getting everybody's first names wrong last Jamie week. Jamie Hamilton. I'm paranoid about it now. Um, so, Sean Brown. Exactly, all of them. Chris Hamilton, and this isn't going to help, Chris Hamilton versus Jack Hamilton, I think is yeah. going to be a real um, a real kind of matchup. As you say, you know, he's had to go step back from the midfield into that defence like Scott Brown has had to do. There's, you know, if you were putting together a list of the guys that you don't want to have to come up against, I think Jack Hamilton's going to be towards the top of that. Could really give him a tough time if we can get, you know, balls on top of him. Um, but then again, as you say, there's guys in that Dunfermline team who want to go and run at people. The fact that we've got um, 
Liam Dick and Ross Millen there is obviously helpful for that. But again, if it's a, an untested or a, a rusty kind of central defence, it's the kind of game you would expect attacks to be on top, which might mean that we see something a little bit different from the uh, the very kind of frugal um, score lines that we've seen so far. Um, is there anyone else we want to kind of pick out from that Dunfermline side, either either in a, a good sense or a bad sense that we think stuck out from the original? Uh, Sorry, the um, fixture so far. I reckon. Sorry, I, I just reckon that um, somebody who's been he was really influential. I thought in the first two games he had quite a quiet game at Starks, but I thought uh, you and Otto looks a decent player for them. Especially, he's somebody that likes it. going by the three games I've seen him in this season. He loves a challenge, but also. He seems very calm on the ball for a, such a young player as well in such a frenetic uh, like league. Like we, it's just constantly end to end in the championship most weeks. And somebody that can get their sort of foot on the ball, sort of like a Sean Byrne, and just play the game at their own speed. He seems to be their version of that, going by what I've seen of him. But uh, I think if we can. He was kind of quiet, I thought, the last time as well because he was on a booking very early and it probably made sure that he had to watch himself for the rest of the game. But it'll be interesting to see... Because, Craig, if if I'm not wrong, he's been also somebody that's went midfield, centre-back, midfield, centre-back. So I don't know whether they're going to play him either. It depends. I think it'll be defence just because uh, of Breen being out. He's been playing back there since Breen went out, basically. Uh But, yeah, at the start of the season, he was going between... Both he might have played both against Rovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have changed within game. He does that a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. The second yeah. game at Starks, he started in the midfield and then he dropped back because I think possibly the final one finished that game with. That's when we went off two or three it? midfielders in their back three. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Robbie, and you come. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think uh, I'm not sure if he's. Uh still injured or not because I know that he came off quite recently. But uh, Dennis Mehmet, I'm guessing he's back from injury as well. Yeah, he had a concussion, came off half time against Dundee United, and then he was he was fine. Uh, McPeak was saying usually the protocol's twelve days, but then if you show uh, improvements, uh, certain symptoms go away within a few days, then you can. And then he was back. He started the, the last game. Yeah, he's so. um, he's a funny one because see where Dunfermline, he's probably the the one of the best examples in the the Scottish league system that you can see of a player that gets absolutely slaughtered on a bad team and then as soon as things start working out everyone loves the guy like it was just a very surreal situation where they got relegated and everyone's like get rid of him he's murder he's murder he's murder and then he starts keeping clean I'm sheets saying that about most of them, to be fair. yeah yeah exactly i remember to be honest we've um no clubs perfect by any means but i remember rory McEwen, our old left back getting absolute pelters when he was next to ross perry which was not doing that guy any favors uh whatsoever and uh yeah he used to get pelters for the first six months and then ross perry got released we brought in a well we had uh, a more stable defense after that and uh then he became a bit of a fan favorite uh McEwen. so yeah it can happen um very quickly those sort of changes in terms of how people are seen so especially when you you go down so obviously I had to go to the league below to do it but then putting really strong runs together guys got a lot of confidence back particularly goalkeepers I think you see that still got a mistake in him I think but um, 
Yeah, it's it's a shame he is available because I think the uh, that keeper they've got on loan from Dundee looks like he has multiple mistakes in him. He's looked a, f- a fair bit ropey the couple of times I've seen him. Um, so let's let's have a look at terms of uh, predictions then, and and just generally I think how we see this game going. Um, the Rovers without Sean Byrne. Do you think they'll, they'll still be able to kind of pick up that same kind of control that they've been showing the last kind of couple of weeks? And uh, and how do you see the full game going? Uh, Carol, start with you, please. Um, I, it, it really does depend. I mean, I would love to see Brown further up. Um, but it's my quite big question is, do, do we have the the depth of security to play core and O'Reilly? So I do see it being a really defensive game. Um. I'm going to predict someone's going to be sent off. I predict a red card. I think it's going to be quite a physical game. Um, Who are you picking but... for your red card, Carol? Let narrow it down for us. Better not be O'Reilly on his debut. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. That's the last time we've seen him. Yeah. He definitely was quite harshly treated with that. I know I was joking yeah. about it when we signed them, but I went back and looked at it and think, ah, yeah, you know what? I think he was a wee bit unfortunate there. I think it looked worse live than it did when you see the replays. I know. I don't know if I could pretend. I just, I just have got a feeling there'll be a red card. Hopefully not for us, but someone's going to do something stupid. And one-one uh, at half time, and then three-one <laughs> Rovers, and the last minute just, just to be the icing on the cake. I that would be nice, just to, to have a. A goal of a lead of more than a goal against the championship side for for even a brief yeah. period would be uh, would be lovely. Exactly, um, Scott. What about you? How do you see the the kind of the pattern of this game going? No, I, I agree that it, I think it could be. I, I I'm going to say it's going to be yet another tight one. I just I just can't see how, especially with our sort of players missing, how we either win comfortably or even. Even though we're sort of down in numbers, I don't see the par- the pars aren't scoring goals, which is obviously the key to win a game. But like the the fact that they're struggling to score goals kind of keeps me pretty confident that we're gonna always be in the game, no matter if we're not playing great. I don't see them scoring three or four goals in the game. So uh, I'm gonna say that it will be actually. I should have checked this before we started recording. Does the Scottish Cup go to replays still no. or not? It doesn't. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that I'm going to say that this could go 120 minutes. Then I, I think we could be seeing extra time for this one. Um, I'll, I'll say. It also, to me, it, it depends where Scott Brown plays. I, I actually want him in the middle of the park because Sean Burns not there. I, I feel we'll be really weak in the middle of the park. Although Stanton. Arguably, one of the he's the best player in the league. It's not his position right in front of the back four. It just isn't, and so I worry if that's him in that role with Brown at the back and no burn there. So, as long as Brown's in the middle of the park, then I'm more confident. But I'll go one one, um, and, well, and then and then we'll win it next time. <laughs> and uh, Christina, how about you? How do you see this one going through? You're the you're the optimist. Well, I've got two answers because I've got my optimistic answer and I've got my realistic answer. So my optimistic answer is Lewis Vaughn's going to do a hat trick. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and this time it's going to be at East End Park. That's my optimistic answer. My real answer is I think Dunfermline are going to score first 
And then I think we're going to equalise just before half time. And then they're going to score between the 50 and 75th minute. This is specific, by the way. They're going to score <laughs> between the 50 and 75th minute. And then we're going to have a really late equaliser to make it 2-2. And I think it's going to go penalties. And we're obviously going to win. But I feel like it's going to go right to the bone. I have to tell you, I had also written down 2-2 as my uh, also my prediction for this one. I, I just think that that's... <laughs> I can't. I can't see either side keeping a clean sheet just with the way that. I just, I just think both sides are are going to be going into the game thinking they're they're better off on the front foot. Um, I do think they will score first though, and we are very weak in that second half between that kind of time. So, I just think, and we are obviously notoriously late scorers now. So I think it's going to happen in both both halves. Yep. I mean, that's one thing that the Rovers, unless it gets, you know, painful, they're always going to think they've got a chance. Even if, even if you know, the flow of the game is against them. And I think Dunfermline, I've not seen a lot of them, but just from what I have seen and what I've heard, they look like a side that've got to work very, very hard to get their goals. Um, possibly, you know, most typified by, uh, is it seven times that they hit the woodwork on? Uh, at the weekend there again you've was seen the-, the rovers uh, social media video today was that um were they trolling yeah, yeah. probably were probably were <laughs> i didn't even click on that but like <laughs> I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was yeah there's absolutely no surprises who wins that by the way um but <laughs> i think we've all seen we've all seen teams like that where you're not, you know, you're needing six or seven chances in a game to actually get your goals. And sometimes you can't really quite pinpoint exactly what it is. So I think that's, I wonder if it's just almost coming down to that kind of mentality side of it, where one side's worrying about having to create too many chances just to get a couple of goals. And the other side is actually thinking we're getting goals out of nowhere every now and again. Um, but I see, overall, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be pretty tight. Um Craig, are you are you brave enough to venture a, a prediction on this one? Kind of preempted it earlier. Eh? I'm, I'm really, I really don't know. And because, uh, like I said, I felt a wee bit vindicated the last time because I predicted the Dunfermline win, uh, and I, I felt vindicated even though the result because I thought, well, the performance was there. I think performance-wise, I sort of it wasn't wasn't too bad. I don't know if that's clutching at straws. So this one, um, I'm reluctant to come on a Wraith podcast and predict a Dunfermline win, but Surely, like Wraith aren't going to just keep winning games between now and the end of the season. They're going to lose at some point, surely. So I'll 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 call in uh, I'll call in the the law of averages and say that uh, Dunfermline will go through on on penalties because I do think it will be uh, I do think it will be a tight one as well. Yeah. See if it goes like your last Wraith Dunfermline prediction, um, and the result ends up the same as last time. I will be very 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 happy, Craig. So <laughs> let's put it that way. Sorry, I was just trying to work out how to kick Craig off the board. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, Virtually. <laughs> uh, right, Robbie, what about you? How do you see this one going? I think that as Rovers fans, we're naturally going to be focusing on the flaws in our system and where the issues might be. We've Naturally, you look at sort of the centre-back picture and whether Brown's going to be in midfield or defence. I think we're overlooking the fact that Jack Hamilton's hitting a bit of a vein of form. Um coming in, scoring three goals in his last two games. They've got Chris Hamilton at the back. I fancy Jack Hamilton to get the better of him. Um, 
it really is a question of whether Dunfermline's groundsman decides to grease up the posts um, or at the other end. But yeah, I'm completely, completely the belief that Jack Hamilton's, this could be a huge game for him. And uh, just, yeah, it was interesting. Obviously, I read the piece that you put out um, that he was quite adamant that he's not a target man. Um, Craig. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll be retracting any comments comparing them that way. Um, but yeah, I I just feel like he's hitting a stride now. Um, I've got a lot of faith in our attacking players that when we get going, that we can cause a bit of damage. We've not shown it against Dunfermline this season. They've managed us very very well, and you've got to give them credit. But at the same time, yeah, for me, I'm going with a two-one Rovers one. You know, I think just there's uh, a point you made there about. At Dunfermline, kind of managing the games. I actually think, and again, I, I'm really loath to give him any credit. I think the way that James McPeak has set up has actually been fairly decent in these games so far. I think genuinely he can probably feel quite aggrieved with how little they've actually managed to take out of these games, particularly the the kind of wing backs that he's using and how little. How, basically, how much he's able to get out of his wing backs going forward without giving a, giving very little away. And I actually thought that was one of the things that when Dylan Easton came on in the last game at Starks Park, suddenly um, Aaron Comrie, who's on the right-hand side, kind of suddenly had something to worry about because it had been um, Josh Mullen up till that point and he'd managed, he wasn't really getting in that space behind. And this is where I think looking at this one, again, when you look at the players that are available, if Jamie Gullen's there, you know, he, he will go into space behind the wing-back. He absolutely will. Aidan Connolly will do that. Um, I think this is going to be the toughest kind of rover setup for James McPake's kind of default back three in his, in his wing-backs. So hopefully we can, um, we can get a bit of change out of that as well. I think um, it's maybe worth mentioning as well. There's probably going to be a bit of pressure on them from their fans seeing that we've got such issues at our back line, they'll be expecting them to come at us. And they've done, to be fair, they've done that all this season. And particularly, uh, Lewis McCann has done so well in terms of driving forward and especially in that first game um, against us. But there is going to be a bit of an expectation there that they, we're there to be got at. Um, so it'll be good to see how we manage that. And again, it's a, we've got a squad for a reason. Um, it's a bit of a cliche to say that, but we're not a one-man team by any stretch of the imagination. And Sean Byrne and you and Murray going out, there's opportunities there for other players. So if they can step up to the mark, brilliant. Again, it's a cup game, so we'll see how things go. And um, you come to the Inverness game next week and then we're suddenly looking at three defenders, so long as everyone comes through this week unscathed, you're looking at three defenders at centre-back available, which is a huge upgrade in terms of where we're at. So regardless of how things are going, so long as we stay injury-free, ideally you want to go through in the Cup. Nobody wants to go out at this stage, but things are progressing quite nicely from our perspective, I'd say. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another good point in terms of actually, you know, as much as obviously everybody wants to get through, it's also one of these things where we're in a, a very unusual position of the season's actually going so well that, you know, even a Scottish Cup defeat in an early round against Dunfermline would still all actually be relatively calm, which I'm not sure how many times you'd be able to say that over the last 25 years or whatever. So um, that is a relatively kind of relative position of comfort to be in. 
Um, and also, to, just because we've not mentioned them, Scott McGill, hopefully, I think, should be available for this. But I think the main thing would actually be wrapping him up in cotton wool, make I sure that he's used as little as possible so that we've we got him. We need to put on record as well. Moon boots, right, do not mean that players <laughs> have got cruciate injuries because this is a recurring theme now among our support. Where <laughs> or someone crutches sees a... as well. Yeah. It's like every time somebody sees... Yeah, it can sometimes just be a precaution. Yeah, just so no further damage is caused. <laughs> like we, need to, we need to accept that players could just be they'd be using them as Yeezys if they could because that's just the way it's going they're just moon boot daft um, and we saw Dylan Easton earlier this season he was in a moon boot and everyone was like we're fucked um, and now it's Scott McGill's turn so yeah just to put that out there I yeah. did wonder that because I put out uh, just a standard team news piece out one week and there was lots of people replying to me asking me about Dylan Easton and I was like what what, what are you talking about why are you so worried about Dylan Easton I had no idea that he was and I think yeah I think he was out for a wee bit wasn't he it was like he was fit enough yeah. for the bench for two games or something like that but yeah people seemed really worried that week yeah I think it's just um there's a fashion for uh, a fashion for moon boots I and, think also uh, as well we've got a very scarred support in terms of injuries yeah. and we're <laughs> going back a while yeah but that, um, I, I see. As, as long as kind of um, with one eye on next week, we get Scott McGill through, then he's kind of, kind of Ross Millen's um, replacement, I would think, first choice at right back. But then, as you say, Robbie, after that, you're then looking at actually having multiple people back and available again, and and hopefully um, in a really good position going into the the kind of the depths of the um, depths of the winter. Uh, all right, so that was a good discussion on that game anything else anybody wants to throw in um about tomorrow's game just on behalf of Blair Hopcroft eh? fuck the parson <laughs> I thought we were just going to drop that audio in again at the end I'll, cut the, it. Uh, I'll find it from the other episode and I'll cut it in at the end I'll get a little techno remix on that um Right, excellent. Well, what we'll do then is um, we'll move on, and uh, we'll, we'll, we've got a, a slightly um, a slightly different take on our big question this week, because um, I think three of you were at the Hall of Fame on Monday night. So yep. my my big question is more to you, uh, more to you, and uh, Cara, we'll come to you first of all, because I know you ended up doing a bit of work. Um, how was the uh, How was the Hall of Fame? Tell us some uh, Tell us some of your stories from that one. Um. Well. I think to sum it up, if you told 15-year-old football mad me that I'd be sitting in a car with Paquito on one side, Gary McAllister in front of me to go and sit on a front row of the Adam Smith with Danny Lennon and Jason Thompson, I would have had kittens. And on the inside, all day, I was having like absolute sort of surreal moments. Um, but yeah, I spoke Spanish from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 11 o'clock at night. Um, which was definitely weird. Um, the two worlds collide. Um, yeah, but first question I asked Paquito is, when's the friendly? Can you confirm? So he's 99.9% .9 sure. Um, I also asked him if I could stay on his sofa when I went there. So my accommodation sorted for Las Palmas. Um, yeah, it was the... We're one having of an empty at Paquito's, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Is the uh, expense account at the courier cover trust the Canaries, Craig? <laughs> Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But sir, Alan Temple's away doing friendlies and stuff in Mallorca in the summer now, is he? Yeah, he gets the European surely. games. <laughs> yeah, I think they do it the odd time for things. Yeah, he was in Alkmaar 
Uh, did he go to a pre a preseason trip? You're probably right. He was in Alkmaar for that game, but yeah, pro- probably not for the a questions getting friendly. asked now. 100. <laughs> percent As excited as the yeah, yeah. Rovers fans are about this one, they probably wouldn't still wouldn't justify a media trip for it. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and have, have a whip round. I'm sure we could get you a ticket. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Crowdfunder. We'll get you on yeah, yeah. the uh, what was it? The Highland. I can't remember the name of the boat that sank. Um, there must Highland be a, Lock. the Highland Lock too, which I think we'll all be on. Um, Robbie, how did you find the uh, the evening that John Greer and Code put together? Yeah, brilliant. Um, it was just the experience was fantastic. I I went along, and, as I say, just before milling about and speaking to people and chatting with Blair. Um, I've never been to any of the Hall of Fame events before um so it was just really good uh the guest speakers were brilliant i thought john barnes as i said before the podcast like really um just started off with just a 10 minute sort of monologue almost just about um how his experiences in scotland and he get, comes up to scotland and gets a, a very nervous feeling uh, naturally after his time and then he realizes he's turning off away from Glasgow and then that feeling gradually subsides. He was also also very, very, very complimentary to the point of a man crush over Big Kev. Um so our handsome Polish goalkeeper has an adoring fan who's been warned <laughs> never to go to any nightclubs in Liverpool on the back of John Barnes. Uh, Gary McAllister was very candid. He spoke about his time at Leeds, um, his experiences with, with Rangers as well, um, on the coaching staff there, and naturally the penalty uh, at Wembley and the run-up to Gaza's goal came up as well. So he just spoke about it and the experience and how he still gets texts off Yuri Geller about it. But the, the whole event is naturally centred around the inductees and brilliant group, whether it was looking at Tommy Hislop and his experiences and getting a hacksaw to cut off a, a, a plaster cast for a broken wrist and forced into a game by his uh, chairman, um, all the way up to, to Jason Thompson, absolutely burying Ross Matthews and uh, Grant Anderson, who'd attended, um, just saying, still got in the Hall of Fame with these louts um, behind me. Um, and yeah, Paquito's entry in particular was just really nice. Um, just a real touch of class there to get him involved because he came along as a special guest and then it was always going to be that he was going to be going in uh, as a Hall of Famer. And you He could, had no was... idea, absolutely no idea. His wife had no idea. And uh, so when it started, I obviously was translating for his wife and she you could just see her realising slightly behind what was happening what was going on and then it was just yeah just watching him and he did have no idea and he couldn't put it into words yeah. and he was so grateful and so emotional with the fans because everyone's coming up and getting photographs and calling him a legend and you couldn't quite comprehend how after 20 years everyone still loved him he just couldn't get that, it that really sort of ties in with what john barnes was saying um initially at the start with what he mentioned he mentioned of it naturally his experiences that he's had in football um sort of social class and how it's just this you come in and it's a special group um in terms of you meet fans and he dislikes the term legend and um what it means because he is just a, a sort of regular guy and talking about like the bonds that you build in football whether it's players and fans players together people at clubs that sort of thing um and Piquito summed that up um, so it was just great to see uh, a really well-organised, well-put-together event. So 
credit to everyone that's involved. Um, they put on a fantastic show, um, which was really, really good. And especially mention as well for Bill Lecky, who kept the event running really well too. So, yeah. Excellent. And uh, Christina, anything you want to, to add to that? Uh, it was John Barnes that was a standout for me, just like Robbie said at the lunch. He was kind of comparing himself um, when he was sitting there to um, Vaughn and Matthews and Gullen and Dabrowski, who were all at the lunch. And he was just kind of saying, like, he's maybe done the, the cup finals and like the Europe stints and stuff. But he said that they're basically the same, they're equals. And not just in terms of football players being equals, but in terms of like the fans being equals. It's a community thing. And I loved all that kind of chat. It was great. Um, and it was just nice because obviously I've not been a fan for that long so I was, Jason Thompson I knew who he was, he was like the first kind of time I started coming to the Rovers, I knew who he was but everybody else was brand new to me so to hear all the history and to think, like I liked sitting there thinking oh one day when this is like your Lewis Vaughns and the, the Jamie Gullins and I'm going to be like 20 years on, it's going to be great like to look forward to that kind of thing happening um, I just hope that they don't change any aspect of it. I love the venue. I love how it's a classy affair. The price point in terms of being inclusive for people to attend is fantastic um, for all fans. Because obviously you've got your, your ticket, but then you can also, if you wanted to, you could sponsor and be VIP. But in terms of it having all those kind of options for people, I think it's great. And no other club does that as well as the local. Uh, it's worth mentioning as well, even before down at the start of the bar area downstairs, you still had like... Uh, Big Kev, you had uh, yeah. Ian Murray, John Potter, exactly. Colin Cameron, all milling about just talking to fans. Well, yeah. had, I wasn't speaking to them myself, but just getting that social side in, um, yeah. which was was great to see. So it's just a, a real sort of unifying event. So yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's actually, I did think that myself when I was down there, um, that the players are speaking to the fans like your equals. Like they obviously value, you can see that comes out of them, that they value you as part of the club. Mm. It was really nice. Excellent. I, I'm I'm glad that you guys really enjoyed yourselves, and it's obviously as it it's one of these events that it's you know uh, a highlight on the calendar, and um, you know it's it's been remarked by a lot of people who've been guests previously that you know you don't get that everywhere. It's not something that happens by default. It's not something that happens by itself. So a lot of hard work goes in from people behind the scenes, and um, absolutely, um, all credit. Can I to just them. say as well, just before we move on, a, a huge shout out to John Greer who were oh. on the stage was absolutely hilariously brilliant. Just John Barnes' ear uh, sort of microphone, he had the microphone earpiece thing um, for talking, and at one point it fell out, so he's still talking away. And John but uh, John Barnes, John Greer just sneaks up behind them um, and just goes, oh, hello, and then just picks up the earpiece and puts it back in for him. Oh, thanks, thanks. So, yeah, no, uh, the man of this parish did very, very well, so credit yeah. to John. Consumer professional. Yes. Brilliant. Right. Excellent. Well, listen, I think that will bring us to uh, bring us to a close for this evening. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you very much, Craig, for uh, for being the first special guest on this podcast. Um, if you would like to see more from Craig, you'll see him on Twitter. He's at CraigCairn001. And obviously, you can read his excellent writing in The Courier as well. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at ONNN Podcast. And um, you'll see us on YouTube as well, if you would really like to, where you can like and subscribe.
But um, as I say, that will bring us to a close. So I hope everybody enjoys the game tomorrow. And we will be back at some point over the weekend with a thorough debrief of the Rovers' 8-0 victory over Dunfermline. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye.